September sky Watching as clouds with fly We confess everything to each other Hey everybody, welcome to Adventure Retired, the podcast where retired people share what they're doing in their retirement so you can start living your best retired life. We are Kurt and Cindy Lilgedal, your hosts. And today we're going to bring up a new topic called a micro-adventure. Yeah, a friend of ours came up with these and we kind of like it because we do a lot of little micro-adventures. Not every venture has to be a big two weeks in Europe or anything like that. And expensive. And expensive, yeah. And especially like right now during the pandemic, there isn't a lot to do. So micro-adventures are kind of fun. Yeah, you can just do things... What do we say? A couple days or a couple hours away from your home. They can be weekenders. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Okay. But first, a life lesson. Uh, Today's life lesson says there's a big difference between being adventurous and being irresponsible. I love adventure. I love getting out there and doing things. But if it's going to put me in physical harm too much or financial harm too much where... It's to the point that I can't take care of my family. That's just not smart. You know, you've really evolved since you've grown up. <laughs> you didn't always follow that life lessons when we were I'm first. trying to be an adult here. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm just saying you have learned, so that's okay. good. Well, that's good. That's a Thank good life you. lesson. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> okay, so today we're talking about micro-adventures. What is a micro-adventure, Kurt? Micro-adventure is... Something that you go out and you do to just get you up and get you moving. doesn't have to be expensive. It can be camping. It can be going somewhere historical. It can be a couple days, a couple hours, like I said earlier. Going to a new place that you've never been before that you just want to kind of like um, hike around. There's so many places around you. We were driving the other day and we saw this place not too far from us that has the world's largest popcorn ball. And can you imagine what that looks like? Mm, yummy. We haven't seen it yet. That's going to have to happen. Though. That that might happen. Because I like popcorn balls. But if you look around, there's all <laughs> these little things around that, you know, are interesting for your area. So adventures don't have to be jet planes and hotels and stuff. And they cost, can be simple. cost thousands of dollars. Yeah. They can be just, you know, $10. Yeah. $10 and a map. You need a map, maybe. Got a phone. Okay. All right. Okay, so on this micro-adventure, we decided to go to Mason City, Iowa, and Clear Lake, which is, they're kind of like sister cities. Yeah, they're about 77 miles away from us. you got to understand, we live in the middle of nowhere, so anywhere we go is like the big city. Right, and Mason City is real easy to get to, you know, in the Midwest because it's right off the interstate. Yeah, it's smack dab in the middle of north central Iowa. And we decided to go back because we really like this area for a couple reasons. It's got a lot of historical value. Yeah, historical yeah, value. It there, does. There's some amazing things in this town. You don't think of Clear Lake and Mason City as big cities, but it's got some amazing things that small town. Iowa normally doesn't have. So if you are in the Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana area, you know, Basin City, Clear Lake is should be put on your bucket list for if any other reason than it is close to the Clear Lake area is close to where a very famous musician. Oh, the crash site. The crash site. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. how we start our adventure. We always, you know, this is the second time we've been out to the Buddy Holly crash site. 
Yeah, the history behind that, Buddy Holly and Richie Valens and J.P. Richardson, the Big Bopper, and a whole bunch of people were playing at the um, the dance party there at the Surf Ballroom, which we'll talk about party. here in a second. This was like 1959, February. Yes. And anyway, they... Um, it was the day the music died. Yeah, they call it the day the music died because some of the guys uh, were going to go on to Moorhead, Minnesota, and rather than... Um, take the bus they wanted to get there early so they chartered a plane that's right the story is that buddy holly wanted to do some laundry and so he wanted to get there early so he had plenty of time right um richard richie Val- okay well richie valens oh. actually did a coin toss and got his seat on the airplane okay all right and the big bopper was kind of coming down with the flu yeah so um Waylon Jennings yeah. gave up his seat for the Big Bopper. Yeah, and so what happens is they get on this airplane, this little tiny airplane flown by a 21-year-old pilot. And February this is, 3rd in Iowa. Yeah, back in 1959. And they get six miles outside of May City, and the plane goes down. And they crashed. And it was sad. Now, the cool part about this is you can visit the crash site. You go to the coordinates, you can find them online easy enough. It's, I mean, the it's, address is 22728 Gull Avenue. And if you get there, Clear Lake, Iowa. Right, get there. And when you get there, you're in the middle of a field. Well, it's in the middle of a field, but you go there and you'll see these big black glasses, yeah, like iron Holly. glasses like Buddy Holly had on the side of the road. Okay, but what do you got to do when you get there? You first get there, you get out of the car, you see the Buddy Holly glasses. You gotta take your phone with you. Pull out your phone and play American Pie by Don McLean. And it, by the time you get done with the song, you're almost to the crash site. Yeah, it's not that bad a walk. It's, I don't know, a quarter mile back there or something yeah. like that. And the farmer has got it grassed alongside the fence line and everything. Right, you're walking in the cornfield this year. Yeah. So. And you get back there and you see this memorial. It's kind of a shrine there on the fence line. Yeah, it's beautiful. It was um, now, like back in the, I want to say in the 80s, I think, um, a sculptor made a beautiful stainless steel monument. It's a guitar and three records with the names of the of the three stars. Right. So the people that died there were Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper, and the pilot. I right. forget the pilot's name, but he should get a little of the yeah, his recognition. Name, I have his name somewhere. Uh, Roger Peterson. Roger Peterson. He was only 21. I know. Oh, I know. man, that is sad. But anyway, but, you go wait, back there. But... If he's 21, did you know that, okay, Buddy Holly Holly was 22. Right. Richie Valens was 17. And the oldest of the three was the Big Bopper at 29. They were all so young. Oh, baby, you know what I like. Oh, man, I tell you, that That is. That was the Big Bopper, in case you didn't know. Is that what that was? Yes, it was. Okay, okay. Well, I just, oh, that that story just, it just, it grips my heart. And I just, I love going out there. That's our second trip. You go out there and you see the little shrine. People have left things. They've even left things. Now there are like clean socks. Sunglasses. Sunglasses, Mardi yeah. Gras beads, yeah. things like that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, you go it's out there. It's very cool. All right. So we, we went out to the crash site. Took about, it's, that takes about a half hour or so. Then you drive into Clear Lake, which is about what six miles? Yeah, five six miles. And six miles you get place. to the surf ballroom where they had performed that night. Yeah, we'd never been there. We'd driven by it before, and now it's on a bucket list of ours to go to a concert there. As a matter of fact, sometime this summer, the Beach Boys were supposed to play there. I'm sure it's canceled, like everything else. But this would be an awesome place to go to a concert. It's like old school. It's got all these. 
pictures up and everything. Oh, yeah. It's a museum. In fact, you can go into it free of charge. There's a donation box. You go in, and I mean, there are hundreds of pictures of the people that have played there, you know, from, you know, the, the three guys here, but also, I mean, you know, uh, Don McLean has played there. Just lots of people. There's been lots of concerts there, both old and young, hard rock, swing, whatever. Beautiful it's quite place. the. Back in the day when things were smaller, these dance halls were very popular and people would come out and dance at them. You know, we had them in Texas too. Yeah, like Green Hall, I remember that. Yeah, but this was the big one there and it's been preserved now because of this, you know, the day the music died. It has the phone booth where Buddy Holly called his wife to tell him that he was going to fly to the next one and yeah. It's an it's an interesting place to go. Highly recommend it. Right. It is just amazing. Just a little history about the surf ballroom. It used to be on the lakeside and it burned down. It it opened in 34. It burned down and um, in 47, they had to rebuild it. It opened again in 48. And so it's been across the street since 1948. Yeah. And they've done a good job of taking care of a lot of volunteer retired people working there, helping out, keeping yeah. the keeping the story alive and everything. Yeah. The the day the music died. It, I'm it was... surprised you're not singing. Okay, so we left we left the surf. I don't think she likes my singing. We actually ate at a really good restaurant right there close by called The Other Place. Yeah. It was really good. That was good good bar food. Yeah, it was excellent and they were very clean too. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was. really good. So we left there Clear Lake now as I said, Clear Lake and um, Mason City are kind of sister cities. There's just kind of a few miles in between. And we drove right into um, our destination for the night, which was going to be to the Historic Park Inn. Yeah, this is a hotel which is amazing here in Mason City, which Mason City used to be a hub, you know, and all that. And it still is. Beautiful town. But the Historic Park Inn has the only Frank Lloyd Wright hotel, designed hotel that is in existence. Frank Lloyd Wright, arguably the greatest architect in American history. He, um, his, I don't know, what, his, his style. Yeah, his style is just amazing. But he designed this and he had other ones around the world, six. This is the only one left. Right. And he, the uh, Mason City has done an amazing job of back in the 70s, restoring this hotel. Uh, interesting story, they, uh, the hotel was in disrepair back in the 60s. Right, well, let me let me just go there while you look that up, because you, you have a, a little a bit of an interview to talk about. But in the, you know, when the hotel was built, it was built and chosen to be in Mesa City. It was kind of a unique way. The two bankers that owned the bank that, contracted Frank Lloyd Wright their daughter was going their daughters were going to a school that was run by Frank Lloyd Wright's aunts okay and so she kind of helped get him to come down and leave Illinois and come over and design this building and so you know it was a beautiful bank it Mason City had a lot of money at that time because it was a uh a railroad town. And then, of course, the Depression hits and the bank loses money and the bank actually goes into bankruptcy 
And then back over in the years, 29 and right, all that. Back in the years, it changes hands, it changes hands. It becomes, you know, in the in the 60s, in the 70s, it was apartments. Yeah, it was basically tenement housing. We spoke to a waitress at the restaurant there and she says when I was in high school and she was older enough, she's probably in her 60s, yeah. 70s. She says, this place was a dump. Yeah, and, you know, I've read things that, you know, it was full of cobwebs and pigeons, you know. So, I mean, you can imagine what it would look like. And it was just about ready. The city was just about ready to demolish it. Yeah, they were going to tear it down. Well, and that's the funny story. Not funny story. But they they were going to tear it down. And word got out that this historic place, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright, it was the last one he ever designed, too. But they were going to destroy it. Well, people put in to get it declared a historic monument or, uh, you know, in the history registry. Right. And it wasn't coming through yet. It was taking time. So people put out a shout out to friends. Remember, this is before the days of cell phones and everything. And friends of ours or a friend of ours went up there and they actually sat down in the street in front of the bulldozers. And had a sit-down protest. Yeah, had a sit-down protest. Let me read this. This is a dear friend of mine, Keith Arney. He said, um, from what I can recall, it was back in the early 70s and the building had stood empty for many, many years. It was an eyesore beginning to be a liability for Mason City. They had determined that it needed to be demolished. A friend of mine called and told me that the building would be demolished if if no one could find a way to stop it. Keith was working about an hour away, I think, as a teacher in Algona, Iowa then. So I was told there would be a sit-down demonstration to halt uh, losing such a beautiful building. A bunch of us from all over Iowa and South Minnesota arrived to protest it. And, you know, they didn't want the last hotel designed by Frank Lloyd Wright to be torn down. At that time, there was one other one in Japan, but its sense has been torn down. And they needed a court order to stop the, the destruction. So we sat there. He says, I recall spending day and night literally on the street. He had to call in sick to his job. Once the court order was received, we were disbanded. It took several years for Mason City to get the funding for the renovations. But they got it, like $18 million. Yeah, $18.5 um, million. Those, were heading, those who were heading up the remodeling, we're very adamant about bringing it back to its original state. And it is. We, I don't know, it's kind of like one of the most romantic hotels oh, we've ever stayed in. I love going there. The ceilings are kind of low, and you see its age around there. But there's these weird rooms in the middle of nowhere. There's staircases everywhere that intertwine. It's There's so much beautiful woodwork. It is just unbelievable. I yeah. mean, you just, everywhere you go, you see his type of architecture and it is gorgeous. And what's so unique about this area is, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright came in and built this and he also built another house there too. The um, Stockman House. The Stockman House, which belonged to a doctor. And so that is open as a museum also. You can go through and visit that. But what you see all around Around the city of Mason City is this beautiful architecture. Well, there's a lot of architectural influence, and I'm sure it's because of Frank Lloyd Wright's designs there. In fact, the Condé Nast Traveling Magazine ranked Mason City as one of the 20 
world best cities for architecture. Yeah, the homes in that town are just amazing to see. And once again, Mason City, I'll tip my hat to them. They've done a good job. These are tough times. There's a mall there that's struggling and everything. But they've done a good job of preserving this hotel. It's got a beautiful bar in it. It's got a beautiful restaurant in I mean, five-star restaurant. delicious. The bank part, they've converted now into like more of a venue. So there's, you can have a little convention. You can, you have a ballroom there now. Right. So they actually rent it out for, you know, venues, for weddings, that type of thing. It would be a beautiful place to have a wedding. But there you are in Mason City, Iowa, and you're, you're staying at the last, the only Frank Lloyd Wright designed hotel in the world. It, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. And I, I highly, highly, highly recommend a road trip there. Matter of fact, we were there yeah. one time. The last time we were there. Yeah, we were there and um, we're out in the parking lot talking to this other couple. And we see this woman walk by and Cindy's hit me on the arm. She says, look, look, He's thinking look. I'm being really rude. Yeah, well, I'm trying to talk to these people and everything. <laughs> And we turn around, and there's Dr. Amy Farrah Fowler. I know, from... <laughs> from Big Bang Big Theory. Bang. I don't know if y'all watch that, but it's Amy Bollock. And um, so Cindy gets online and does a little Instagram stalking and like that. And sure enough, she was invited to the class of 83 class reunion. I don't know. She had some some connection some to that. Some or something. Yeah. And we saw her right there in the parking lot. And, you know, we, cool. we were... We knew it was her, but it was like we were stalking her afterwards on her Instagram. It was like, yeah, she just went through Marie City, Iowa. Wow. It was interesting. Okay, so you spend the night at the Historic Park Inn. The good thing is, being retired, you can use your discounts. I'm here to tell you, when you book your room, if you look under under other options, you can pay for it with your AAA card or your AARP card. And you get like fifteen bucks off the room, and the book rooms aren't that bad. They they run like hundred twenty to hundred forty bucks. Oh, it's just a, and it's, it's a wonderful romantic hotel. It, it is. really is. So a little bit more about Mason City. The cool thing about Mason City, that area downtown, there are tons of sculptures too, and the sculptures kind of have a theme. They are musical because Mason City is also known as the birthplace of Meredith Wilson. And do you know who Meredith Wilson was? Creator of the Music Man. That's River right. City. River City. And so his home, his birth home, is there. And you can go into that as a museum. And there are sculptures all over. You just walk around town. It's just really cool. Once again, they've done a good job of reaching out to the patrons of Mason City to donate these things, to keep these museums Sculpture. open and right. stuff like that. They, you know, like I said, hats off to Mason City. They have a lot of beautiful, beautiful history there, and they're doing a good job of maintaining it. And again, less than 100 miles from where we live. Yeah. That's what's so cool about it. The cool thing, too, was we went and played disc golf. We like to play disc golf, and we go to this place called East Park, and it's got this really challenging, really challenging disc golf course. But they also have an old steam engine there that's closed up. But they talk about the history of Mason City as a train town, and they get into the orphan trains. Right. There's a great display with about, I don't know, five or six great big boards that have a lot of history of the orphan trains that left New York City in the 1850s, 1860s, and brought orphans through and stopped in Iowa. Yeah, all the way up to 1929, these trains, there were so many kids 
living on the streets in New York and these cities. So this Catholic priest, I believe, you know, got the idea that, well, we'll load them up on trains and the train will stop at every town. Basically, you line up the kids and people would come out and adopt them. Just good Midwest values. Unfortunately, you know, there were some people who adopted children and basically used them as slave labor. Yeah, it was. there's always... You know, yeah, exceptions. there's, there's always sad. bad people in the but area. But what's neat about these display boards is it shows the actual pictures of the kids, the train rides, and you really learn a lot of history right there. Yeah, imagine being a child living on the streets. They put you on this train. Next thing you know, some farmer and his wife adopt you, and you're raised in Iowa, and many, many happy stories. Right. But, Eating three meals a day compared to what they were before, you know, yeah. on the streets like that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that's kind of the, the cool part, you know, of that area of, of a micro adventure. You get to go out, you look for something that you don't know, and you learn about it. You learn a lot. And you think, oh, man, this is right in my back door. Yeah. With that, we're going to wrap this one up. If you have any micro adventures you would be interested in telling us about or talking to us about, you can get a hold of us at adventureretired.com or adventureretired at gmail.com. We, um, we were thinking, man, it'd be really cool if we could find micro-adventures for all 50 states. Yeah, I mean, I would love to have people just tell me, okay, here's where I live. I, you know, I drew a circle on a map, and I went about 60 miles, and I found this. So, yeah, you know, these are the things we did. Yeah, that'd be great. So let us know if you have some. Yeah, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you. Is there anything else we need? Well, how about your You Betcha moment? Oh, yeah. You Betcha. Okay, my You Betcha moment for this micro-adventure is probably walking out to the crash site the day the music died. I mean, cool song and everything, but that's probably my You Betcha. You got a hell no? Yeah, my hell no was throwing a disc across the river. Yeah. I, I need a lady's tea. And they don't have that in disc golf. They they don't. And this, I mean, they have some tee offs that you go across these rivers and there's trees. And I don't know how. I don't want to lose my disc. But anyway, yeah. that's a good hell no. That is a good hell no because you know discs are expensive. They are. They're like they are ten bucks. They're a lot more expensive than a golf ball. All right. All it right. Was, was that's fun. it. Great micro adventure. Get out there. Do the things local. You know, you can do an afternoon while you're quarantined or something. And that's about it. I love you, Cindy. Love you more.